confusing, difficult that you would um, show us your wisdom in the midst of all of this. We pray in your son's name, Jesus. Well, this week's passage is basically a history lesson. And I got to tell you, 1980s when I graduated from cemetery, I mean seminary, <laughs> and that was a long time ago, and history is gone. So I had to do what everyone likes to do. Okay, Google, tell me about Rehoboam. <laughs> uh, so I did some backtrack, and just the chapter before, if you have your phones, you can turn in the scripture. I'm going to do hold up what's called a Bible in my hand. It's not held too often because we have it on our phones. But chapter 11, beginning with verse uh, 27, we find this character by the name of Jeroboam pops up. Solomon had built a supporting terraces and fulfilled a gap in the wall of the city of David, his father. Now, Jeroboam was a man of standing. When Solomon saw how well this young man was doing, he put him to work in charge of the whole labor force of the house of Joseph. And that's about all we know about Jeroboam. He was just a guy that was doing some great work. And Solomon, who was in this massive campaign to build the kingdom, put him to work as one of his fine men. Later on in the next verse, we find Jeroboam is on a journey, and he's on his journey, he runs into the prophet Ahijah. And Ahijah is wearing this new cloak, and he takes this new cloak off, and he just rips it off 12 different ways. And it's like, talk about a word lesson, huh? And then he gives 10 of these to Jeroboam, and he tells him these words. I'm going to tear the kingdom out of Solomon's hand and give you 10 tribes. But for the sake of my servant David and the city of Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, he will have one tribe. And I will do this because they have forsaken and worshipped the Astaroth, the goddess of the Sidians, Shamosh, the king of the Moabites, Molech, the god of the Ammonites. Basically, they've done everything except for what God wanted them to do. They caved into culture. Everything around them was simple, so they caved in. Verse 34, he says, But I will, I will not take the whole kingdom out of Solomon's hand. I have made him ruler all the days of his life for the sake of David, my servant. And you'll find this theme throughout all the Old Testament. Solomon is the one who builds the kingdom, but David is the one who is the spiritual leader. And I promise it to David, he keeps saying, God keeps saying whom I've chosen and who observed my commands and statutes. I will take the king from the hand, the son's hand and give you 10 tribes. I will give one tribe to his son David, so my servant may always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I chose to put my name. However, as for you, I will take you and you will rule over all that your heart desires. He's given anything he wants. He has to do one simple thing. You will be king all over Israel if you do whatever I command you and you walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes, keeping my statutes and commands as David my servant did. I will be with you. I will build your dynasty 
as enduring as the one is built for David and will be and will give Israel to you. I will humble David's descendants because of this, but not forever. So basically we find this guy Jeroboam who comes out of nowhere, becomes his highlight to Solomon. Solomon loves him. He helps build the kingdom. And then the next verse says, Solomon tried to kill Jeroboam. <laughs> what happened here? Well, evidently Solomon might have been a little bit jealous of the fact that the kingdom was taken out of his hand. But Jeroboam fled to Egypt, to Shishak, the king, and stayed there until Solomon's death. So the background to this story, which I didn't understand until I began looking at, is that Jeroboam is going to become a king in place of Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And Solomon says, I don't like that. So he tries to kill the guy. And so Jeroboam says, okay, I'm out of here. Well, when we get to the next verse, chapter 12, Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all the Israelites had gone there to make him king. Now, it's really good that Rehoboam does this, because Shechem is a great place. It's where Abraham first met God, it's where Jacob met God, it's where the bones of Joseph were buried after they came out of Egypt, and once again, when, when Joshua brought them across the river, it's where the great... Uh, uh, conference was done the stones were laid up and they made a covenant between god we are your god we we are your people you are our god it's a great holy place so rehoboam is doing the right thing but as we read verse 2 when jeroboam the son of nabat heard this he was still in egypt because he had fled from king solomon he returned home so they sent for jeroboam they, the people, said, okay, these are the people that are all with Israel together. And even though there's this division of north and south, it really wasn't happening yet. So they put Jeroboam in this place of leadership. They said, you know what? Things were pretty bad when your dad was king. And we just like your lighting it a little bit. Now, Rehoboam has an opportunity at this spot to say, you know what? I think I'll do that. So that's kind of what he does. He gives him three days. Just just leave me alone for three days. It says for three days he went out. And as we read the scripture, he talked to the elders. And then later on, he talked to the youngers. Um, some of the commentators say that the, the younger ones, they use the word the immature ones. Mm -hmm. And you hear how, how the, the difference of lingo, first the, first the elders say, you know, maybe you should just lighten the load and do what they say and become a servant. What a, what a concept. Leader being a servant, huh? <laughs> and he decides to reject that. And instead, he chooses the counsel of the younger, and he says, you thought my father's hand was thick. It's going to be bigger than my waist. In other words, I'm coming down on you, baby. I'm going to get you. With that, a whole difficult thing begins to happen. They come back, he tells them the whole situation. But what's real significant is that the people say, wait a second, why are we in this battle? We're just gonna forget about you. And they all go back north. And it seems like everything's gonna be fine, everything's wonderful. But I keep looking at verse 15. So the king did not listen to the people, for this turn of events was from the Lord. Fulfill. The word of the Lord spoke to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now, this is the first time in the next passage later on we find this very phrase happen again. 
because the Lord is in the midst of this. So it seems like right now Jeroboam has it just made. He's going to be blessed. He's going to have all these great things happening to him. Well, we find what happens is in the next couple of verses, we skipped over that. Rehoboam decides to, you know, why am I, why am I doing this? I mean, I should get rid of these people. So he begins to get a battle going. He gets 180,000 men together. He's going to start and fight against his own brothers, the northern kingdom. But in the midst of that, a prophet comes to Rehoboam and says, Say to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, verse 22, the king of Judah, to the whole house of Judah and Benjamin, to the rest of the people, this is what the Lord says. Do not go up and fight against your brothers, to the Israelites. Go home, every one of you, every one of you. For this is my doing. The second time, once again, in this passage that God is emphasizing what's happening here is I am in control. And if Jeroboam does what I asked him to do, everything is going to be fine. So they depart, they go back home, everything is fine. You think you could just close the books and Jeroboam is going to rule the kingdom and everything is going to be fine. But as we found, and I, I really like that, it must have been the message that you guys read. It's, it simplified it so well because Jeroboam realized, holy cow, I've got trouble on my hands. They're going to go back down to Jerusalem and go up the hill to start worshiping. They're going to realize Rehoboam is a better king than I am, so I better think about this. So Rehoboam, Jeroboam changes everything. Instead, it says what he does. After seeking advice, verse 28, he then made two golden calves. And he said to the people, it's too much for you to go down to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Who is it that said that earlier, a couple weeks ago? Remember Aaron? when he was a little bit frustrated by the people because they wanted to see Moses and this God they were talking about and this wasn't showing up. So Aaron said the same exact words and created one golden calf. But Jeroboam outdid him and created two golden calves. But that wasn't enough for Jeroboam. He went on and did some more things. Um, oh Israel, here's the God that brought you out of Egypt. One he set up at Bethel, and one he set up in Dan. So what he does, he sets up two separate temples. God set one temple, and that was Jerusalem. And that was to be the place where people would come and go. But, but Jeroboam was saying, you know, if they go down there, they're going to give allegiance to Rehoboam, and I'm going to lose my kingdom, so I'll just make it convenient and give them two temples where they can worship God. Verse 31, Jeroboam then built shrines on the high places, and he appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. And once again, the writer's injecting something that's, hey, Jeroboam, you're doing something wrong. Only, only, only the Levites are to be priests. And that may sound kind of uh, rulish, <laughs> like uh, commandish, but that's what God commanded. It was God's word. And Jeroboam at this moment is beginning to just break away from everything that God has said and done. He's creating his own world. He's making it convenient, making it easy. 
But that wasn't enough. He went on, and what he had done in verse, the following verse, uh, he instituted a festival the 50th day of the eighth month, a festival held in Judah, and he offered sacrifice on the altar. This is what he did in Bethel, and the priests and the high priests. Um, and at Bethel, he also installed sacrificing the calves he had made. He also installed priests in the high places that he had made on the 15th day of the eighth month, a month of his own choosing. Once again, an insertion from the writer. He created his own holidays. And I, I, I step back from this, and I, I look at this, I say, you know, so what, what, how, how, what's the context? Well, how do we put all this into place today? And I remember, Peter, something that you said to, when we gathered a while back, uh, I think it was, uh, I don't know whose home it was. Um, it was Janelle's home. Um, it was your home. Yeah. Um, and you, when we were debating about this after, home, after Omaha thing, which I later called after October thing, um, we, we have to look at what the scriptures say. If, if, we, if we create something that's easy for us to do, that feels good, that's, that's simple, and don't go by what the scriptures say, then we're no different than Jeroboam. In fact, this, this turning away that Jeroboam did 21 different times is emphasized in Scripture that this is called the sins of Jeroboam because he walked totally away from God and he just closed his eyes on what God had put forth as the truth. And I think about that in light of, of who we are as, as Christians, as, as a church, as a people, the moment we begin to close the word and make it easy and convenient to just do things, to make it simple, then aren't we just the same as Jeroboam? And I don't know about you, I'm not one of those type of people that, uh, that like law. <laughs> I'm not, this is what the word says. But the same God that says, this is what the word says, is also the same God that says, come unto me, all you that are heavy-hearted, weighing heavy, have yokes on you, that's just pulling you down, and I will give you rest. The same God that, that cuts, that creates the flood, that uh, removes hundreds of thousands, that opens up the ground when people disobey in the Ten Commandments, the same God offers love and grace. And it's hard for me to understand that concept. And I think it's hard for all of us because that's not our culture. Our culture is easy. It's convenient. If you want to know what to do, well, you just type in something in Google and all of a sudden you're all the way across the world. But following God is hard. It's not easy. And I think a lot of times we've made it simple. Does that mean we need to create new rules, new laws? I don't think so, because I think those rules and laws are already written here in the scripture. We just need to be careful how we display them. And while we're laying down law, where are we laying grace? When we're laying down the right and wrong, are we doing that with 
a vindicative spirit or are we laying it down with mercy? And I can't help but think as we look at all these times, uh, six different times the word yoke is mentioned in this passage. I can't help but think that maybe it was a hard thing for them to have and do. And I can't uh, stop and think about Matthew passage of Jesus when he said in chapter 11, verse 20 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. It's hard to obey God's word. And I know it's hard, because I know I fail all the time. And it's a hard road to go, but that's a yoke that God says to his son Jesus is made easy through his son Jesus. So when I look at this passage, I, I want to pull back and say, yeah, Jeroboam had everything successful going for him, but he chose to take the easy way out. He chose to make it simple, convenient, light. And I don't want to be like Jeroboam mentioned 21 times in the Old Testament as the sin of Jeroboam. So I want to encourage you that as you think about the song that is going to be starting just a bit uh, about the yoke that God requires, uh, encourage us to take on this heavy burden of obeying his word. Uh, listen to the words of the song that is being sung as we turn our hearts for